It's Two Fat Ladies. Welcome to episode 88 of Crypto Weekly. This week, we saw the conclusion of the age-old cycle of America financing a terrorist organization and then killing its leader when they have served their purpose. This week in the crypto news, though, Bacta to release a consumer app. Find out the details inside this very podcast. Xi Jinping declares that blockchain is good. Breaking news as a power struggle occurs at Bitmain and an unreliable source makes some claims about Bitcoin Cash. All this and more on this week's Crypto Weekly. If you enjoy the show, head on over to patreon.com slash crypto weekly. Maybe sign up for one of the tiers. You get some sweet rewards in return, including some limited edition Crypto Weekly merch if you sign up for the Gentleman's Club. I'm joined in the studio by one Geordie Prince. Hello, Ken. What are you drinking, friend? I am drinking a delicious Brewdog Dead Pony Club, and I'm enjoying every single sip. I was going to say, need I even ask at this stage, Mr. Bitcoin Buble? Good evening, Ken. What are you supping on, my friend? Uh, I've just finished my Dead Pony Club, so I'm dry. I bet minute. you're gagging for another one. I am, big. You know, you know me so well. <laughs> uh, Mr. Crypto Beak, we've heard you there. A little sneak preview. Bonjour, it's me, Crypto Beak. What are you shopping on, friend? I'm sipping a brew dog quench quake. That uh, sounds interesting. It's a grapefruit and tangerine sour, and it's better than it sounds, Ken. <laughs> High praise <laughs> from the beak man. I'm your host, Crypto Ken. I'm on a dead pony club myself. Dr. P Money could not be with us this evening, unfortunately, but we pray to all the deities that are worshipped in this room that he'll be with us next week. So just CAC then? Mainly CAC. And with that, let's get started with the news. Let's crack open the first news story like one would crack open a fresh dead pony club from BrewDog. Backed are releasing a consumer-facing app what does this mean? What will be in it? And what's their end game? <laughs> Who wants to jump in on this? So Bact had two aims. Build trust in digital assets. Uh, they claim to be doing that through their custody product, getting all the institutions on board, etc. The other aim was unlocking the value of digital assets. And this is basically what they're trying to do through the consumer app and merchant portal. The consumer apps, they say, our vision is to provide a consumer platform for managing a digital asset portfolio, whether they wish to store, transact, trade, or transfer their assets. So they're going to build some kind of wallet thing where you can send money around, presumably, to the merchants in there that have a merchant portal. The first merchant portal is uh, going to be, well, Starbucks is going to be the first merchant with a merchant portal. And they say that's going to be up and running in the first half of 2020. Seems to be because they gave Starbucks loads of equity to be their first partner. So, sounds like you'll be able to 
do something with crypto in Starbucks within the next eight months or so. That's sort of exciting. Yeah, I mean, it sounds really quite exciting when you think if you think it's just all going to be crypto. But when they talk about digital assets, they talk about like loyalty points and things like that. They're not strictly talking just about crypto. So obviously, hopefully, Starbucks will be able to accept crypto in some form. But it seems like back to trying to basically monetize digital assets spanning the cryptocurrency space and beyond. So any any assets that are outside like the f- traditional system, like loyalty points, things like that as well. So they're offering me a custody solution for my Nectar points is what you're telling me. That is not what they've said. They are pro-crypto. So I'm hoping that that's not it. But they do state that like well they don't they just sort of slip in that digital assets yeah. could be cryptocurrencies or other things like it's a big tent exactly so let's hope that it's all crypto but yeah. it seems like it could be going along the loyalty loyalty angle perhaps so there's a healthy vein of ambiguity in more or less everything they say which I, like things like like their two aims being the most vague things ever yeah but i get that like they've obviously invested a lot of time and money in a space that develops really quickly changes all the time so i can kind of see that they're heavily hedging their bets in any kind of public communication they do but i think that's understandable and as you say they are still very much pro crypto so i don't think they're to be um criticized for anything at this point so is it confirmed that they, there was some kind of equity exchange with Starbucks? I'm not sure if it's been confirmed, but that's what people are reporting, okay. that they, not exchange, they gave yeah. Starbucks allegedly loads of equity okay. for no money at all. Okay. So that's like, but like, even on those terms, I'm still surprised that people think that would convince Starbucks to, to have any involvement in anything that they like weren't already into you know so i think and i think that is backed up by the fact that we've seen starbucks in and around or announced as a partner for a few different projects you know a few different things going on starbucks there's a name has, has popped up a lot there so i hold tight starbucks i guess for being interested and involved in the space and yeah i guess bitcoin call blown the fuck out we will be buying <laughs> coffee with crypto one day so well, there you go starbucks have always been quite hot on tech though haven't they like they, they were one of the first people to have an app that you could just hit a button and walk into the shop and get your coffee and like it of all the people that would be pushing it i wouldn't be surprised if they were involved mm. yeah um, i mean and they obviously are involved because the princess they, starbucks don't need to fuck about with some shitty tech if they're not into it no but they seem to be We've reported on them in the past already accepting Bitcoin payments through US startup Flexa, along with Whole Foods and Nord- ah, Nordstrom, yeah, yeah. if you remember. Right, you're right. right. Yeah. And this is being reported by crypto outlets, obviously, as Starbucks will accept Bitcoin in 2020 thanks to Wall Street backed. Yeah, I mean, desperate to pump our bags. God yeah. bless them. The goldfish brains on these people. <laughs> I have found the quote from the backed blog on this uh, consumer face app. So what they say is, billions of dollars in digital assets exist today across the world, such as Bitcoin, cashback, and rewards, in addition to other forms of div- digital value relied upon by consumers and merchants. 
A key feature of the model we've designed is to support a superset of digital assets, including cryptocurrencies. So they do pinpoint cryptocurrencies, but they also imply that it's going to be supporting other digital assets. They say including cryptocurrencies, and they specify cashback and rewards as types of digital assets. So that's where I got this idea that while it'd be great if it was Bitcoin and crypto, and it probably will be, it seems like there's some kind of chance that they will be finding some way to try and uh, make these cashback and rewards from Starbucks and other merchants like tradable or monetizable in some way outside of free coffee. Interesting. I guess, yeah, because apart from that... What 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 other value would they be able to offer in that space for things like nectar points or like free coffee points or whatever? Like you don't you don't need a custodian for that because they aren't like decentralized like crypt like cryptocurrencies. You're telling me I couldn't walk into a Costa or a Nero and go and redeem my Starbucks points. Well, not until Bash gets up and running, okay. mate. And you but that would be good. I mean, it would be pretty sweet if you could. Like, if there was a huge conglomerate that you could, uh, or decentralized <laughs> application from which you could spend your rewards from all kinds of different places in one, you know, in wherever you choose. Unfortunately, though, not all coffee is made equal, so. That's so true. What's mm. your favorite? We are, we like Grind in London, don't we, Boobla? We do. As a major shareholder in Grind, I imagine <laughs> where this conversation was going. No comment. I don't like Charbucks, I'll tell you that for nothing. Oh, they burn their Colombian roast. It's something mm, crazy. They really do. If they're not putting insane amounts of syrup and whipped cream Ugh. in the coffee, Ugh. they're <laughs> Cadell they're on Suicide poorly. Watch. Honestly, the absolute <laughs> state. But fortunately, we live in London where there are a plethora of comfortable coffee outlets. Yeah, if you get down to any Pratt, they'll do you a lovely filter coffee. Mm, if you bring your own cup, it'll, you get 50 pence off. That's a bog. Mm. That's where Ken was talking about. Mm. Hang on, it's only 99p in the first place. Exactly. Take that down to 49p, big guy. What? Mm. If you don't get Boris in, you'll need that 50p off. <laughs> <laughs> Backed on the ropes. However, we have a big haymaker coming from the east in the form of Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> a.k.a. Xi Jinping, who has declared that blockchain is good and that China are on board. That's correct, Ken. We've had China's president, Xi Jinping. Feel free to refer to him as Mr. Pooh. <laughs> I'm trying to... Well, given that's probably the one of the few Chinese names or words that we've pronounced correctly on this show, I'm going to give him his full, full actual name. So he came out and gave a speech to the Communist Party's Central Committee talking about how he wants China to, quote, take the leading position, unquote, in blockchain technology. As a brief aside, the Communist Party's Central Committee is a political body that comprises the top leaders of the Communist Party. The members have no essential decision-making power. They ceremonially exercise their voting to provide evidence to the nation that a decision has been made by the people. Because that's not totally terrifying. <laughs> but anyway, so the president said to the Central Committee that he considers China to already have a very, 
solid foundation in both Bitcoin research and application, which I don't think anyone could argue with. And he basically stressed that he wants to accelerate both research and the application of blockchain technology within China. So yeah, they're out to be number one, Ken. What I thought was quite interesting was that the applications he mentioned were problem solvers in the banking and wider financial systems, which I think is very surprisingly sensible given how many stupid applications of blockchain technology he, he could have mentioned there. So he didn't say anything retarded like, blockchain's going to help us finally have self-driving cars or any nonsense like that. He said something that's practical and, most importantly for me, entirely digital in nature. So obviously we've only really seen digital applications for blockchain thus far. So I thought that was quite interesting. The other interesting part of that is of what he what he didn't say at all was the C word, Ken, cryptocurrency. So he didn't actually mention cryptocurrencies at all, just blockchain. And I, th I feel like we shouldn't be surprised about that, given how tentative the Chinese government have been when it has come to Bitcoin. You know, they've like banned mining and then said it's great again and then banned it again. And there's all kind of restrictions on if, if you can buy Bitcoin all that good stuff. So I guess it shouldn't really surprise us that currencies weren't mentioned at all. I think that is interesting as well, because when it comes to the reaction to his speech, some search data that was compiled by Celia Wan over at theblockcrypto.com, hold tight Celia, uh, pointed out that the day after this speech, blockchain related terms or the number of searches for blockchain-related terms uh, on Baidu, China's biggest search search engine, were up over 1,300%, and the same set of words were up th over 300% on WeChat. So naturally, there was a lot of interest in those. But block the search terms for Bitcoin on the same two um, mediums were... A relative up a relatively subdued 216 and 144% respectively. So it does look like they have steered deliberately clear of mentioning cryptocurrencies, but they're on board with the blockchain meme, Ken. They did say that today as well. They, they came out with a new announcement saying, hey guys, don't, don't speculate, even though it's gone up loads, because we like blockchain, not crypto. Blockchain's good in that. But my uh, my favorite part of all of this is it's now illegal to FUD crypto. They've said that calling blockchain and cryptocurrency a scam is illegal. <laughs> so you're not allowed, Chinese media are no longer allowed to do it. Winnie the Pooh has been like, you drop, <laughs> you stop fudding my bags. I'll lock you up and it's about fucking time. It's about fucking I mean, time we saw some of these fudding bears get in the chokey. Given given the number of crypto-based Ponzi schemes we've seen in China, I'm not sure that was the smartest move on their point. Right. But get them in the clink. <laughs> the quicker the fudsters get locked up with the fucking the triad bros. So you can't even call a scam a scam. You want to watch your map if you want to head to Beijing, mate. You shall not sully Pooh's honeypot. Yeah, I, I did see as well that the 
um, People's Daily newspaper um, ran with an article whose sentiment was basically remain rational, citizen. <laughs> if that doesn't sell papers, I don't know what will. Yeah, basically just to get right in front of the absolute frenzy a government endorsement of a gambling medium will achieve in China. They had, uh, they've also launched an educational series today, I think it is, on Bitcoin and Ethereum. Now that's, that's very cool. Yeah, on Bitcoin and Ethereum smart contracts. So, I mean, that is pretty naughty because although they are saying like, oh, we like blockchain, not crypto, they are still shilling their entire country, forcefully shilling <laughs> their entire country on cryptocurrency still. Are they going to have um, some sort of one coin policy? See that this is a, <laughs> no, this is the thing. I I can't see them going for anything that they aren't going to be able to exercise a massive amount of control over. We know that they are also in the process of releasing their own like digital version of the of the Chinese currency. We talked the about yuan. that the yuan. 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 Nice. Um <laughs> Eighty-eight weeks in, and we <laughs> uh, We yeah, so we covered that a few weeks ago. I'm surprised by the fact that they're educating people about Bitcoin and Ethereum. Although I guess thinking about because I would have thought they would be they would want their own crypto and shill that one. But then again, we've also covered a lot of stories recently about how um, transparent and like hard, how how hard it is to hide transactions on say the bitcoin blockchain so i guess it kind of comes full circle maybe they see maybe they think the bitcoin blockchain provides them with sufficient um oversight to be able to shill it to the masses which would be mental if true enough with the bullshit prince do we need to buy tron or not (laughs) i think we all know the answer to that one mate yes Staying on the China topic loosely, we have a power struggle at everyone's favourite Chinese mining company, Bitmain. 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 That's right, Ken. There is officially a power struggle afoot at Bitmain. Bitmain. So an internal memo leaked first, I think firstly to Dovi Wan on Twitter, hold tight Dovi, somehow always seems to be, seems to get the absolute spiciest and hottest takes coming out of China. The one woman on crypto Twitter who speaks both Chinese and English and seems to have made a jolly good living out of it. (laughs) Correct. Absolutely correct. The internal memo was from Jihan Wu, or if you are a Bloomberg journalist, Wu Jihan, because that's how they described him in their article. I feel like they might have memed themselves with the whole reversing forenames and surnames in Chinese, but whatever. So the memo announced the resignation of Bitmain, co-founder Mikri Zane Ketchuan. Sorry, in advance for that mickery my bad um yeah so the memo came out and it said that uh, it instructed all bitmain bitmain staff to not take instruction for, from mickery or attend any meetings convened by him on pain of firing 
and or legal proceedings. What a legend. You don't S- fuck with Jihan even a bit. Serious. So, especially not given the new f- uh, FUD legislation over there. <laughs> Wouldn't want the grand committee to find out that you've been fudding crypto. Yeah, so this was... Um, no real explanation was given as to why he was, quote-unquote, resigning, but he was out. He was no longer an employee of the company, and that was that. I, I mean, this is very, very strange, given that he is... Act- Although they were both co-founders and co-CEOs from the very start of Bitmine, Bitmine. Bitmine. it is strange that um, Wu would be kicking out... Um, Mikri, given that in their IPO application in Hong Kong, it was exposed or listed, I should say, that Wu owns 21% of the company and Mikri owns 37%. So it's been a real um, executive decision made on the part of Jihan here. Although we can only speculate as to what the motivations are, for this quote-unquote resignation have been uh the current theories are that Wu, who has always been seen as the sort of business guy the business head of bitmine obviously bitmine he's a he's like an economics grad um and he's the digital token enthusiast of the pair he has been seen as um being in contrast with Mikri because that he was the guy who was the lead in the chip designing team and the uh, impetus behind Bitmain's move towards the AI chip meme in when? That was like, was it late last year? It suddenly came out that they were going to go for the AI meme? When they were, basically when they were IPOing and trying to say, oh, we don't rely on Bitcoin cash at all, bro. Like We'd love loads of things like machine learning and that yeah. as well if you want classic classic and an ai meme so yeah they think that's probably the genesis of the split because the two parties have such different visions for the company going forward although i don't think anyone saw such an abrupt um divorce appearing overnight basically so yeah it's a absolutely an evolving story we've had updates within on the same day that we're recording like literally within hours of recording so we'll, we'll definitely keep you updated as soon as we find out more yeah well the bitmines uh aim is to keep manipulating bitcoin and push bitcoin cash or as to whether they're gonna have a real business mm. gian's got anything to do with it it's gonna be bitcoin cash baby <laughs> yeah it is interesting that given the full endorsement of the or i would you would imagine that the full endorsement of the chinese government for crypto and blockchain would be like an astronomical payday for these for for bitmain but people have also point people have also pointed out that everybody sees jihan as a full decentralized anonymous crypto transaction enthusiast like a real ideologue in that respect and that's that's always been counter to what the chinese uh, that's the last thing the chinese government will ever go for so it is very interesting to see how the various dynamics will play out i mean he has single-handedly centralized crypto mining so i reckon the chinese government (laughs) is probably going to be all right with him in fact they could probably get him i've heard a few spicy takes on people saying that if the Chinese government get into crypto, they might be into Bitcoin Cash rather than Bitcoin, because they can get the boy Jihan to uh, to hook them up. 
Interesting. Extremely spicy and complete speculation, but interesting, interesting theory. I want to stay on the Bitcoin cash wave. And we're going to move to Bitcoin Buble now, who put a naughty little article in the show notes in regards to some strange behavior on the Bitcoin cash blockchain. And I want to ask you this one time, Bitcoin Buble, are you and Dr. P Money responsible? So I put this in the notes, Ken, uh, as an unreliable source says some bad shit about BCH. Uh, I'm going to avoid your question entirely. I was about Uh, to point that out. Um, now we've seen this before. We've seen hashing moving from one network to another. And actually interesting that the news about Bitmain was this week. Bitmain. Uh, and also this, um, spike in hashing, which seems to have happened across the board, um, across all the BTC, Bitcoin, whatever you want to call it, networks. Has happened this week, but specifically this one is that someone managed to mine about fifty percent of the blocks in a twenty-four hour period. Right now, there's there's multiple ways that you might want to do this. Like one is just get more money, but two is also for PR and for negative reasons. So if you want more money, so if you've got lots of hashing power and you just want to mine a lot of blocks. You'll do that over a period, short period of time to quickly mine as much as possible. The uh, difficulty algorithm will adjust as it does over that period of time, and then it will be less profitable for you to mine because you'll have ramped up the hashing power. Now, if you were to do that and still keep the network or make it still look like the network is being is decentralized, you wouldn't mine all of that into one wallet. Now, in this case, they've mined it all into one wallet. Nice. So you think that, or a possible explanation could be some cheeky little bastard fudding Bitcoin cash? Potentially, yes. I mean, that is what it looks like. If you if you actually wanted to just accumulate wealth, yeah, you would, uh, in each, each block, just have a new wallet. Like, to generate, we all know to generate a new wallet is not hard, so... It does look like it's a bit of a, a bashing from one of the other chains. You know, interesting the bit main news. We've not heard much news from um, old Righty Boy recently. True. What he's been up to. What he, I mean. What he's got his mind to switch to. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was someone like that. And they are pretty dastardly, those bastards. So. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you've sold me. I'm picking up what you're putting down. So if the Chinese government are pumping BCH, old Craigie boy and Calvin and crew come back at you saying, get back in your box. Two of the world's superpowers clashing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) But yeah, and if you did need quick money and you had like 100,000 S9s or whatever, you'd probably just sell a few of them. Yep. So yeah, I'm sold. So is that case closed? Case Case closed. closed. Thank you, Judge Bitcoin Buble. Judge, jury, and executioner there. (laughs) And that brings us to the end of the news. And it's time to move on to Mr. Beak's Mr. Market Watch. (laughs) Bonjour, Ken. 
Let me take a quick look at Coin Paprika. Okay, so it's been a pretty great seven days. We've gone from a total market cap of 226 billion to 252 billion dollars led by Bitcoin, which is up 30% to 9.3 rockets. Uh, this is a gigantic mega pump last Thursday, which was the same day that the big homie in China told everyone in China they had to be crypto gremlins or they would go to jail. But that came quite a long time before the pump. So Bitcoin pumped like nine hours later after this announcement. Then once it pumped, all the gremlins were like, oh, it's China and it's pumping. And needless to say, that was all it took for them to FOMO at the mouth and buy Bitcoin all the way to $10,000. Uh, it's down a little now, but it was one of the, I think it's one of the biggest days uh, Bitcoin's ever had, certainly in recent memory. So hold tight China and the gremlins. Uh, there are loads of other ridiculous pumps though. As the prince mentioned, searches in China for Bitcoin and blockchain were up hundreds or over a thousand percent in some cases. Google searches worldwide for Bitcoin were at a three-month high. Backed destroyed its biggest volume day. And basically, maybe literally every Chinese company even vaguely related to crypto pumped. Apparently over a hundred of them were up 10%. And every single Chinese shitcoin mooned to some obscene degree. One of the shittest of all the shitcoins, NEO. 2017's Chinese Ethereum is up 40% in the last seven days, despite being completely worthless. <laughs> Tron up 40%, Ontology up 45%, Qtum 34%, VeChain 24%, and basically any other coin that has a team member who has ever visited Beijing is up fucking loads. So, I mean, I guess congrats if you held one of them, but it's absolutely not deserved. Uh, America's NEO, aka Ethereum, is up 7% this week, <laughs> and the amount of ETH locked up in DeFi products, hold tight DeFi Dave, has reached an, thank you, has reached a new all-time high, 2.3 million ETH locked up, which accounts for over two, slightly over 2% of total Ethereum supply, which is clearly totally mental. Uh, obviously, the more locked up, the lower the circulated supply, so assuming demand stays the same, the higher the price should be. Uh, we just need to pray that none of these DeFi dipshits have a vulnerability, which means that we all lose our money and inevitably have to rope. Bitcoin Cash had a big week, up 25% after Jihan uh, took control of Bitmain, steadying the ship or pulling people off the sinking ship or whatever his statement translated to. Uh, whether or not that will actually help Bitcoin Cash and whether the Chinese thing will help Bitcoin Cash remains to be seen. But the Bitcoin Cash Mandem are super fired up about it. And the author of the legendary Fuck Your Mother If You Want Fuck is not a man to be trifled with. So hold tight Bitcoin Cash if Jihan is back at the wheel. Uh, crypto Twitter reached all-time high Mong levels. All the people who have been talking about bringing down the financial system power to the people, uh, generally being edgy ANCAP types, are now praising the Chinese government for <laughs> pumping the bags and think the Chinese government is actually pretty decent. <laughs> and uh, 
yeah, they, despite them standing for basically everything all the crypto influencers hate, they now love the Chinese government, uh, Hong Kong. The biggest winners and losers, I mean, the biggest winners are everything Chinese, and the biggest losers are everything that are not Chinese, So, as well as the crypto Twitter mongs, obviously, who now support uh, the dictatorship of China. So, uh, yeah, if you're on Chinese coins, then you're a fucking moron, but you're a rich fucking moron. Grats, and uh, hopefully this does not continue next week, Ken. It's all from me. Praise our Chinese overlords. Back to you in the studio. Thank you very much for the update from the Crypto Minds, Mr. Crypto Beak. Before we finish, though, I want to head on over and see if there's anything touching the Scoville scale over in Geordie Prince Corner. Spice, spice, spice. That's an amazing... Well, Ken. <laughs> there was one thing. There wasn't. So it triggered you. So it's got you fired up this week, Prince. Not something, like something touched the old taste buds this week, Ken. <laughs> So I'm sure we've all heard about how the Washington Post described um, Abu Bakri al-Baghdadi as an austere religious scholar who, who passed away age 48 this week. Can you tell any listeners who don't read the news who he is? Uh, I just did. He's a well. It depends who you listen to. But if you listen to, if you're reading it in the Washington Post, um, the it's, Huffington Post, isn't it? No, mate. It was the Washington Post. Wow. Yeah. Uh, democracy dies in darkness. Is there? Is the tagline they adopted <laughs> after Trump got elected? Yeah. That's what. Like that's their whole meme. Democracy dies in darkness. And then when the head of the Islamic Society for Israeli Safety, ISIS, gets killed. <laughs> By the Trump administration, they ran with the headline, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was basically, austere religious scholar passes away, no, dies, age 48. Obviously, what actually happened is that Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the top boy in ISIS, and the most wanted man on the planet since the death of bin Laden, got scared by a belgian malinois so much that he lit himself and three of his children up with a suicide vest in a tunnel being chased by delta squad according to trump (laughs) no according to reality but that's how that's how the washington post just chose to describe this event obviously they're doing it because they hate trump and this is going to be a huge boost to his re-election campaign in the same way that when Osama bin Laden got it, it really boosted Obama's re-election campaign. So they already understand how positive this is for Trump, but they really overplayed their hands so brutally this week by saying a religious, an austere religious scholar died age 48. I mean, it was ridiculous. However, I do also want to point out that they weren't the only ones to do this, and this has been missed by a lot of people. So while I was mocking Bloomberg for um, spelling or getting Jihan Wu's name the wrong way around. I also came across their tweet talking about the same incident, and it goes as such. Islamic State leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi transformed himself from a little-known teacher of Quranic recitation into the self-proclaimed ruler of an entity that covered swathes of Syria and Iraq. Again, I feel like we're burying the lead here a little bit. 
but whatever. The fact that he is a well-known, convicted, not convicted, but serial rapist and murderer seems to have uh, passed by the editors at Bloomberg Politics, and they decided to concentrate on his efforts at Quranic recitation instead. <laughs> Blew my mind. So yeah, that, ting- as I say, tingled the taste buds this week, Ken. Oh, and the only other, the possibly the greatest thing about this whole story is that I found out that the type of dog that they use in the Special Forces, a Belgian Malinois, are referred to by the absolute top boy chads in Delta Force as maligators because what they bite <laughs> they bite so hard onto people and once they do you can't get their jaws undone or whatever. So yeah, hold tight the maligators. So they look aesthetic as fuck like an Alsatian. Yes. But have the sweet lockjaw performance of an ugly pit bull. Correct. Wow, the perfect dog breed. Mm. Talking of uh, being aesthetically pleasing but not backing down from a fight, Andrew Yang has laid out plans to uh, legalise online poker once again in America. So if any of our American listeners do not vote for Yang, I will immediately fist fight with you upon sight. <laughs> that is what they call in prison as on site. You are greenlit to me. Let me find out that anyone didn't vote for Yang. It's on. <laughs> that does bring us to the end of the show, though. We're going to start the round out with Mr. Geordie Prince. Hi, it's me, the Geordie Prince, and you can follow me on Twitter.com at HRHGeordieP. That's at H-R-H-G-E-O-R-D-I-E-P. Many thanks. Over to Bitcoin Buble. Good night, Ken. You can find me on Twitter at Bitcoin underscore Buble. Mr. CryptoBeak. Au revoir. That was me, CryptoBeak. You can follow Andrew Yang, the saviour of online poker, at Andrew Yang on Twitter. I have been your host, CryptoKen. You can follow me at CryptoKenCan on Twitter. And you can also follow updates from the podcast as a whole at CryptoWeeklyPod. And unfortunately, he cannot be here, but I'll shill his Twitter anyway. It's Dr. P Money. You can follow him at Dr. P Money on Twitter. That's all the Twitter shilling I have for you now. We have been Crypto Weekly. You have been informed. And you are oh so very welcome, dear listener. Good night. <laughs>